listening to Faith and Family. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we get to hear about the mission work being done in Asia, and it's quite a fascinating story. With me in studio is the Reverend Dr. Michael and Irene Paul, who are serving as missionaries in Taiwan. Welcome. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you. Great to be here. So tell me um, about your journey. What, what led you to the mission field? Oh my, that's a long story. <laughs> are we going to take um, the whole interview just for that? <laughs> uh, I was actually born on the mission field okay. in the Philippines. My parents were LCMS missionaries there from 1962 to 67, uh, but then never went overseas again until my second year <clears throat> at Concordia Seward was finished, mm-hmm. and I had a chance to go on a short-term trip to India. Um, had to come back early from that, and then I had a chance to go to Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So that was after my second year of college, and ever since then, I've spent most of my time with Chinese people. That's fascinating. And Irene, I, I think your story might be a little, little different. <laughs> uh, the question was uh, why we are missionary. Well, yeah, what was yeah. How, how you, how you ended up on the mission field? What well, your connection? I'm married is. to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I became Christian when I was in Taiwan, and mm-hmm. I came. Uh, then I, I came to United States to study. I went to Seward, Nebraska, uh-huh. and uh, I met uh, Mike there. Um, and then I just follow him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've been in Taiwan for for quite a while, then. Uh, my first time to Taiwan was 1987. That's a while and, ago. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, We've we I've been back and forth from Taiwan to the United States. We served in in Macau for a while, mm-hmm. uh, and then we were in Taiwan for a while and back here. This time in Taiwan, we've been there for two years. Okay, so sure. What what is it like to uh, continue on in the footsteps of of your parents as a missionary? Um, you know, I was only in the Philippines for eight months of my life. Okay. <laughs> so I don't remember anything. That's all right. <laughs> but uh, my, my mom always says I was born with sand in my shoes. <laughs> so uh, I, I guess maybe uh, God had it planned <laughs> from the beginning. But um, I've thoroughly enjoyed living uh, with people from other cultures and especially the Chinese people. And even these last uh, 30 years, even in the United States, I've been surrounded by Chinese, especially and people from other cultures. And uh I just think it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's fun. I like being able to, to talk to our our uh, Lutheran missionaries that are that are around the world just to to learn about about how you how you all experience the cultures. Um, speaking of culture, what what makes Taiwan a, a unique place? Taiwan is uh, pretty much a Chinese culture. Um, there are Aboriginal people there that were there before the Chinese Pacific Islanders. Uh, that's still quite a minority, um, but a lot of a lot of Chinese came over from the mainland 100, 200, 300 years ago. But a big group came over in 1949 after Chairman Mao and the communists kicked them out of uh, China, so it were uh, to Taiwan, um, and so uh, uh, Taiwan is um, is primarily a Chinese place. Uh, but uh, what 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 stands out for the Chinese uh, culture in Taiwan is that Taiwan is is a democracy, mm-hmm. and it's kind of seen as a as a big success in Asia in terms of democracy. It's a very free country. Uh, we have no problems serving there as Christian missionaries. Mm-hmm. No problem getting visas. The people in Taiwan are very friendly. It's known mm-hmm. as one of the friendliest places in Asia, at least. Um, the food in Taiwan is well known. People people around Asia travel to Taiwan to eat. And so we're blessed to have great food there. What's your favorite thing to eat? 
Do you have a favorite thing? Are there are there too many to count? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I like the dumplings, mm-hmm. and there's different kinds of bread uh, that they make. Um, More like crepes. Crepes, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Onion very, crepes. Very good, yeah. That sounds delicious. So, yeah. I need to go there for the food. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, tell me a little bit about um, the religion in Taiwan. Taiwan is uh, over 70% uh, a mixture of Buddhists, Taoists, and folk religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the people don't really know what actual Buddhism is uh, or Taoism, mm-hmm. uh, but what, what pretty much the majority, most people do, is they worship their ancestors, which is kind of like folk religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a very uh, firm part of Chinese culture. Sure. And and so it's a challenge for the church uh, to say that no, we worship the triune God and mm-hmm. not our ancestors. And so parents uh, are very upset if their children uh, become Christian because then they think, well, after I die, I'll become ghosts then because nobody will care for me. Sure, sure. How does that affect uh, families if if say a son or a daughter um, is interested in becoming baptized, but the parents? Uh, don't improve. How does that? How does that affect those family relationships? I think uh, my wife Irene can talk about that best from her own experience. <laughs> uh, my when my sister got baptized, and my my father and I actually, we went to her uh, baptism uh, because my mom wasn't home. She didn't want to see my sister went to church, so she left home there morning and we thought mom's not home we let's go so we did and my mom found out that we we actually went to her baptism she was not happy (laughs) so she uh refused to talk to my dad for a whole month and i thought what did elizabeth uh my my sister did you know why why she she did that because at the time i wasn't a christian and so i couldn't understand what happened what is happening sure sure and does that the the ancestor worship and those things make it more difficult for for men or for women to to become baptized especially for men because uh the sons in the family especially the oldest son it's primarily his responsibility to take care of the parents when they're alive but then especially after they die as well so i think it's pretty common that say in the churches in taiwan you'll have twice as many women as men Mm -hmm. and and sometimes uh the wives in a marriage the husband will will feel okay with with her going to church or even being baptized but sometimes the husband won't even let his wife attend anything christian because he just doesn't want to go anywhere near that track which might take him away from work, from taking care and then worshiping his parents. Sure, know? sure. And that presents a problem for young women then who, who exactly. would like to have a Christian husband, but, but just can't find one. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that would be a very difficult thing to, to, to uh, handle if you're, if you're a Christian woman that is baptized and really wants to have a, a Christian family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Music plays an important role in your lives. Tell me a little bit about um, why it's so important to you and and how you're able to use it on the mission field. Well, we just, our family just loves music. It's a wonderful gift of God. And I, I've oh. studied some a little bit Concordia Seward. I almost had a minor in music. And so I've, oh, nice. I've enjoyed music. What I most enjoy doing is writing um, compositions for our children. Uh, our oldest is very good at the flute. Our next is very good at violin, and then our youngest plays clarinet. So oh, wow. I like to I like to write like hymn preludes for them mm-hmm. that they can see. This summer we're here on home service, and so one of the big things we're doing is we'll be playing music. It's kind of the the song and dance routine, maybe. But uh, <laughs> but but I, I, but Christian families, whether here in the United States or in Taiwan, love to see a family 
you know, uh, together making music and and proclaiming the gospel that way as well. So in Taiwan, we also use that. Um, for example, our, our, we live in an apartment complex that has about 390 units. Well, each of these past two Christmases, we've given a Christmas recital in the lobby of the hotel and the hotel, uh, the, the, the apartment, apartment. <laughs> and the apartment management was fine with that. We proclaimed the gospel, had printed out the words of the Christmas carols and things like that. And uh, just a, a wonderful way to witness that way. And we just have a good time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting how, how music can reach people in a way that, that spoken words can't. Yeah. Uh, what other kinds of things do you do for outreach just in your apartment complex? Well, the 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 start the starting point usually is Irene. She's so wonderful with meeting people and being friendly and talking to them, whether it's in the elevators or uh, wherever, and uh, just gets to know them, shares the gospel sometimes right away there, but then invites them to social activities uh, that we have at our home to get to know people, like informal music recitals, and especially Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in Taiwan want to know what is American Thanksgiving all about. They know it has something to do with turkey, but maybe that's about <laughs> it. Uh, and then Christmas as well. So we've had big gatherings in our home for those holidays. And then the last six months, we've started a Bible study at our home, um, kind of an informal Bible study, and uh, parents come and also their children come. I teach the adults uh, studying the gospel according to Matthew, and our daughter Elizabeth then teaches the children Bible stories as well. Sure. Um, is it that, is that uh, you find a, a good way to, to really reach the people where they are? Um, well, we try. <laughs> <laughs> but Bible study, yeah, we found that that's a good place for them to start because it's more informal. We sit down and they feel more comfortable to ask questions. Actually, our neighbor, we found that they are very willing to ask questions and mm-hmm. they seem not hesitant because we know them now and they, they, they raise a lot of different questions. And so. Sure. Sure. And, and is that, um, is that something that you find, uh, works really well? Um, or are these people really open to, to hearing the gospel then? Some are, uh, actually, the Bible study, about half the people that come are already Christian, uh, wanting to learn more about mm-hmm. the Christian faith, of course. But then the other half, maybe not, but uh, they are they are willing to learn. Some of the people we meet, like uh, some people in our apartment complex, they've had some contact with Christianity. Well, mm-hmm. one, one woman, Evelyn, she had worked in a Christian hospital, and uh, or as actually a Roman Catholic hospital, I think, and they had like mass that they would attend sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or, they have Bible study okay, uh, or devotion every devotion, day, yeah. mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. And so, and she she's not a Christian, but she had been exposed to that. And so, when people that have had some contact maybe with a school as well, they're more open to say, okay, well, I'd like to learn a little bit more about this. And so, sure. the Bible study gives them a chance to learn more. And of course, then God's Holy Spirit works through the through the Word to to create faith in their hearts. So. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a good way to to bring God's word to them. Sure. Um, the the families that have children do are the children sometimes the the reason why why the adults end up end up wanting to go. Very often, the the the, the most common uh, outreach activity by far that churches in Taiwan do is outreach to children. Mm-hmm. And to this point, at least, the Christian church has a, is, has a fairly good image uh, to, to Chinese people. They see the church as someplace that will help their kids at least learn good morals. Uh, they won't learn bad things there. <laughs> and so they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're willing to let their kids go to church, even though they themselves have no interest in Christianity or the gospel. And so um, 
we're involved in, in, in working with kids. The mission station we, we work with uh, does that as well. We've met a lot of older people that um, are not Christian, but they remember when they were children 30, 40 years ago how the church kind of took care of them. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they're more willing now to listen to the gospel. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So speaking of children, how, how have your children um, adapted to, to missionary life and, and what do they do to help you? <laughs> Um, our uh, son, he played violin at church mm-hmm. and sometimes he, play, he he does help with the children group sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Elizabeth, uh, the younger one, she she teaches this uh, children group during the Bible study time. And she plays, um, she's our pianist for the church. And she's just, she's just very good with the kids and kids just love her. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, are any of them looking to, to follow you into mission work? Uh, it's possible. It's possible. Uh, our our oldest, she may wind up in Taiwan doing mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And actually, she's in uh, Mekguan, uh, Concordia in Mekguan. And the next mm-hmm. semester, she she is going to be the uh, international student ministry on campus. Some kind some of kind of ho- coordinator, coordinator or host, host. Uh, for international students. Yeah, she Concordia signed up University. for that, and so. We're excited that she. She's, That's really cool. Yeah, and she says she's started to plan for her activity, and then she's think, oh yeah, Dad has done this. We have done this. So she's thinking about that. So. That's good. That's good. Using using her experience mm-hmm. on a college campus. That's a really good thing. Um, so, Pastor Paul, tell me about uh, the work that you do day to day at the seminary there. Um, I, so I teach at China Lutheran Seminary in Xinju, Taiwan. Uh, I teach mostly basic doctrine classes, especially Luther Small Catechism, and some classes at a little bit deeper level uh, in basic Christian teaching. And then also quite a bit with teaching the, the historic Christian liturgy, uh, the church here, things like that. Um, so that's at the seminary. Then in the congregations uh, of our partner church, China Evangelical Lutheran Church, I also teach the same things, the small catechism especially, and also a little bit about the liturgy and, and the church here. Um, mm-hmm. So like every Sunday night before worship, I'll teach for about 15 minutes using PowerPoint, uh, the small catechism. So I right now I've got 52 PowerPoint files and we're only through the <laughs> second article of the creed. Oh boy. <laughs> but but what's, what's kind of neat about this is that I spend a fair amount of time, and in fact, my last newsletter, I shared this how it's it's Sunday afternoon, and here I am again trying to crank this this presentation out. And it, t- it always takes a lot longer than I think it should to get this PowerPoint ready. Uh, but but then after it's done, then that's getting shared with a lot of people throughout Taiwan. These mm-hmm. files have even gotten to northern Thailand, mm-hmm. uh, and so it uh, the time I spend working on it just for my own teaching, then it can be multiplied m- many times. So sure. it's, it's worth it. Sure, and you're you're not doing these in English, that's right? Correct, you're, yeah, yes. you're doing these in Mandarin. I'm doing a Mandarin Mandarin Chinese, so that's it, it takes longer, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I I can't even imagine having to do all of that. Uh, now you mentioned liturgy. Um, what is it like teaching teaching people in Taiwan about liturgical worship is that something that they're familiar with no <laughs> they're, they're, most most people in Taiwan the vast majority they might some of them might have heard of such thing as liturgical worship but they've had no experience with it whatsoever mm-hmm. but but there seems to be more and more people that are interested to learn about it because frankly some of them have gotten a little bit tired of of the kind of worship that is typical in in churches in Taiwan and they're wondering is this the only way is this the best way is this the mm-hmm. way that's most faithful to scripture 
And so I I just started teaching a little bit about this, and more people heard about it, and they said, well, why don't you teach at my church, or why don't you teach <laughs> this over there? Um, and uh, a lot of interest. And what what mostly what people most like about the historic liturgical worship is that it is so centered on Scripture, and, mm-hmm. and people hear so much Scripture in one worship service, which unfortunately and amazingly they don't in in the typical worship services they hear in Taiwan. Sure. And and do you find um, that teaching that along with along with um, hymns mm. and 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 music is those things dovetail nicely then? Exactly right. Sure. And are are you are you working on a on a new Chinese hymnal? Is that what I hear? <laughs> yes, I'm I'm the, the chairman of this big project to produce a new Chinese Lutheran hymnal, and it is a huge project. Sure. And uh, it's not easy at all translating hymns is very difficult. Yeah. And um, I, I have my own strong opinions about about that <laughs> that that I really want the hymns to be singable. Mm-hmm. I actually really want really want them to rhyme. In Chinese, yeah. and and uh, uh, I, I want people to be able to to understand and receive God's word that way in a way that they can they can really understand and enjoy. Sure, um, yeah. sure. Are you taking uh, so are you taking hymns out of out of like our our Lutheran service book and translating those directly into Mandarin? Then most of them are. There are some new ones I've actually written some of my own and oh, wow. kind of working on that because mm-hmm. sometimes it, it's hard to get a good match. Sure, um, and sometimes you need to change change the words quite a bit. I'm sure a lot of our hymns that came from German, and I've seen the translations aren't exact mm-hmm. because in order to get a, a something that flows well in English. And so as the chairman of the committee, I'm trying to encourage our members, you know, we need the doctrine to be to be correct. But on the other, mm-hmm. the other hand, if we need to change the actual wording or something so that it can be something they understand and can sing, well, I think we need to do that. Sure. Are you taking, are, are you doing the Mandarin um, text to, to the the original or the the German or, or those style tunes then or, or are you actually using some Mo- mostly some mostly we are okay. uh, we, we don't do a whole lot with culture there's a lot of different opinions about this of course but um, sure. <laughs> what, what often happens that that I've heard from Chinese people is that when you try to incorporate cultural elements so much of that is tied to Buddhism and Taoism uh. and so a lot of the Chinese actually don't like it. Mm-hmm. They would rather something that is foreign to that culture that is so tied to to false religion. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, what what else are you working on translating? Um, lots of <laughs> lots of good uh, books. Uh, Lutheranism 101 is one that I'm personally I've taken on the the uh, responsibility to be the main editor for that, mm-hmm. and so I'm working hard to make sure that the translation comes through clearly. Uh, and there's no that that are good because unfortunately a lot of the translations that have been done to this point, uh, if they're not translated well, the wonderful gospel comes out law mm-hmm. in the end, and so we don't want that, of course. Sure. <laughs> so it's 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 a it's a difficult task, uh, but uh, that's one project right now. I'm helping to coordinate uh, a new um, a translation of of a life of Luther. Uh, we're translating a text music context. Wow. which was uh, produced by, by the LCMS, mm-hmm. uh, Commission of Worship. Um, oh, many things. Yeah. But the, the needs are so great. We are overwhelmed in the United States with so many wonderful resources. And there's just very, very little in Chinese and many languages in the world. Sure. And that's so important. Yeah. Is it, is it difficult to, uh, to translate the concepts of Lutheran theology into Mandarin? Do you find, 
Do you find any difficulties there with with the language? I don't. I don't think it's that hard, really. the The difficulty comes in in the people that are translating and editing. That first of all, their English is good if it's mm-hmm. coming from English, and that they have a good understanding of Lutheran theology themselves. Sure. So that the the gospel doesn't become law. But I think my experience is that the Chinese language can can do just fine with Lutheran theology. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. <laughs> good for you too. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about about the actual seminary. Um, wh- how big is it? Wh- who are these students? China Lutheran Seminary in Xinju, Taiwan, has about forty to fifty students who live on campus. Um, their their probably biggest program is the MDiv program. They also have a Bachelor of Theology degree. Uh, Master of Arts in Counseling. They have an STM degree mm-hmm. in Luther Studies. They also have branch uh, locations throughout the island, um, and they also have classes just in congregations. Mm-hmm. It's called their Lay or Grassroots Training Institute. Um, it's the the seminary is supported by six different local, six different Taiwan Lutheran synods, including mm-hmm. the LCMS Partner Synod, China Evangelical Lutheran Church, and supported by eight overseas Lutheran groups, including the LCMS. Um, so it's it is the one and only Lutheran seminary in Taiwan, but it is actually also the only Mandarin speaking Lutheran seminary in the world. Wow! And so uh, we're it. <laughs> Uh, we, we have, there's Lutheran Seminary, there's two Lutheran Seminaries in Hong Kong, but neither of those mm-hmm. speak Mandarin. Sure. So, yeah. so that, that translates uh, even more of, of the great need for all of these, all of right. these materials in Mandarin, if, if the only thing that these students are learning in is Mandarin. Right, right. Wow. So how significant is it for, um, for that seminary to be that hub of Lutheranism for, for that Asia region right there? Well, yeah, it is by default, and I think uh, for the LCMS, it is it is of utmost importance to help that seminary be as faithful as possible to uh, the Lutheran Confession, and uh, to help them to have the resources, uh, both written and in terms of faculty, uh, to get our Lutheran teaching very clear. Because mm-hmm. by because it is it is the only thing out there, and it plays a crucial role. And it has a huge impact on on the different Lutheran synods and congregations and non-Lutheran congregations in Taiwan. Sure, sure. Um, what what is your hope for the church in Taiwan for the future? What do you what do you hope to see? Uh, I I hope that that they can primarily receive God's word uh, as law and gospel, especially as gospel, and that it would mm-hmm. be the defining aspect of their life. Uh, as a church, as individual Christians, and then that be able to permeate through the rest of the church in Taiwan, the rest of the society. We're, I think we take that so much for granted in the United States with, mm-hmm. with how we have wonderful resources, wonderful families, congregations, schools, uh, that that you can be in kind of a Lutheran bubble <laughs> from when you're baptized through married through when you're buried and and that Lutheran bubble does not exist in so many places in the world and certainly not Taiwan. Mm-hmm. You have so many influences and and you know if there's there's some negatives possibly about a Lutheran <laughs> bubble, but there's there's wonderful <laughs> blessings of being of having God's word in all its richness and fullness. Uh, throughout your life. Mm-hmm. And I think the start is, uh, I think, just teaching the catechism like I've been doing and and helping the congregations to have God's Word as fully as possible in their worship and hopefully influence the families through that as well. So um, I'd like the church to be as Lutheran, that means as biblical, mm-hmm. uh, as possible. 
That's wonderful. Well, Pastor Paul, Irene, thank you so much for being my guest today, for taking the time to talk with me and sharing your story. You're welcome. Great You're to welcome. be here. Thank you. Thank you. My guests in studio today are the Reverend Dr. Michael and Irene Paul. You can read about their story and the missionary work being done in Taiwan and the Asia region at lcms.org slash Paul. And to learn how you can serve, you can go to lcms.org slash service. Concordia University, Wisconsin and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu.